Hi, welcome again to When the Scriptures Become Real, a podcast where we study the scriptures together, let the scriptures answer uh, our problems, answer our questions, and so that we can know exactly what God wants us to do. Last week on When the Scriptures Become Real, we discussed the topic of when circumstances are hard, what do we do? You know, it's it's easy to follow the scriptures and it's easy to do things when things are going your way, when things are easy, when you're comfortable. But what happens when you're not comfortable? What happens when everything around you is is crashing down and against you? Will you follow the scriptures? And that's when the scripture becomes real. And we studied the life of Joseph and we studied how, you know, no matter what happened to him, no matter who was against him, that he always had that complete trust in God and he and he trusted in him and he waited on God. And we saw the effect that that had on Joseph's life. And so today we kind of want to piggyback off that topic. And so today we're going to discuss the scriptures become real when we talk about God's timing. When we talk about his timing, sometimes uh, in our lives, we tend to rush him. We tend to rush his plan for us. Um, we tend to rush his plan for other people sometimes. Um, but, you know, as Joseph, as all these other great men have taught us, we have to wait on his time. Even though we can't see what's happening right here and now, God can see the big picture when we can't. And so we have to continue to trust in him and to make sure that, you know, we trust in his will. But before we get started again, here's our, our quote or our um, topic for the day, uh, our positive topic for the day. And I, I read it in a book, and we're going to reference this book a few times today. But I would recommend, if you haven't read this, uh, definitely read this book. This book has been so helpful to me. And I hope it's helpful to you, too. And the book is entitled, Those Who Wait, Learning How to Wait on the Lord in an Impatient World. And it's written by Rosemary McKnight. And basically, throughout the entire book, it's really a process of, kind of starting where you are you know it starts off saying well the lord's obviously having you wait on something what are you going to do while you're waiting are you going to complain are you going to blame god are you going to just not do anything anymore are you going to go the wrong way the wrong path or are you going to you know stay consistent in what you're doing and and one chapter uh she writes a a phrase here and i think it's very very profound. I think it actually helps with what we're going to be talking about today. Um, But the phrase simply says this, God does hear your prayers. When God does not immediately respond to the cries of his children, it is because he wants to accomplish some gracious purpose in their lives. And I think that goes along perfect with what we're talking about today in terms of timing. You know, sometimes we, we pray to the Lord and uh, we ask him certain things, and we ask if his advice and, and things that we want. But when day after day goes by, and, and it seems like he's not listening, it seems like nothing's happening, it seems as if he's totally forgotten about us, that's the moment where we need to continually to trust in him and to know that he's working. You know, sometimes we just we just have to trust him, and even though we can't see it, we know that he's still doing what he said he was going to do. And so today, talking about timing, I think one of the perfect examples of someone waiting on timing but also making some mistakes during that time is Abram himself and Abraham. And 
again, if you have your Bibles, turn along here with me. But we're going to be looking at Genesis, Genesis chapter 15 today. And we'll go kind of uh, a few chapters ahead as well. But I want to start in Genesis chapter 15. Now, we all know of Abram and how God promised him that he would be a great nation. He would be uh, a wonderful nation and he would be the father of many. But you think about everything was against Abram at that point. He was old. His wife was old. How can he have a son? How? He's been wanting a son. Sarah has been wanting a son. But how is that going to happen, Lord? I'm too old. She's too old. How? I don't understand. So in Genesis chapter 15, this is where we start to see Abram's journey in terms of timing and in terms of waiting with the Lord. So if you start... Uh, let's actually start in verse uh, verse 3. And the Bible says this, And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. But behold, the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels, he shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look toward heaven. And tell the stars, if thou art able to number them. And he said unto them, so shall thy seed be. And he believed on the Lord, and he counted unto him for righteousness. So let's stop there. We have Abram. And he said, well, there's someone in my household. But the Lord said, that's not the heir. The heir is going to come through you. And you will be a father of many nations. And the Bible says he simply believed on the Lord. That's the first step of what happens in terms of trusting and waiting on God's promise. God will promise us something, and we trust him in the beginning. So you think of Abram. He simply trusted in the Lord. God said you will have a son, and he believed that. Now with us sometimes, God promises so many things to us in the Scripture, and we're just like Abram in the beginning. We, be- we believe in him. Okay, God, you said this is going to happen. I believe. Abram, you said this is going to happen. I believe. But here's the true test of a true servant of the Lord. See, sometimes when that is said and time passes by, days pass, months pass, maybe sometimes years pass, and nothing happens, how is your trust and your faith in him now? Is it the same as when he promised it? Or has it been diminished because so much time has passed? And in your eyes, you've seen no results. So then, do you start to question God? Do you start to question, did you really mean what you said? So let's, let's actually look at the second phase of this process. Again, the first phase, Abram believed. But look what happens over time. And I want you to go to chapter, chapter 16. And it starts here. If you look at verse 1. The Bible says, now Sarah, Abram's wife, bare him no children. Watch this. This is why this happened. Time passes, and in their eyes, their physical eyes, nothing's happening. Lord, you said this would happen, but days, months, years pass. Nothing's happening. And she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said unto Abram, behold now. The Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go into my maid, 
and it may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. This is where it happens. Who did God promise the son would come through? His bowels and through Sarai. He didn't promise it would come through anybody else. But notice, you know, over time, we start to question God, and then we try to start, uh, we try to help him. We try to say, well, he may not have meant it that way, so maybe the way that I think it should go is going to be better. In a sense, that's what Sarah did. Look at the phrase in verse 2. It may be. No, there's no it may be. God said it would come through that lineage. But Sarah, because she became impatient and wasn't willing to wait on the promise, and she couldn't see, and she wasn't using the eyes of faith, she said, it may be that I may obtain children through someone else. That was not the plan. You see what happens in timing? You see, when God promises us, promises us something, and then we wait Nothing happens, and we wait, and nothing happens. And we wait, and things may get worse than before. Then we start to question. I don't think God knows what he's doing. And that's the point. When you get that phrase and when you get that mindset, that's when you start to do things on your own. Okay, well, let me try to help God out. I may not have children by myself, but I know that you could go in, Abram, to Hagar, and then you could have a son. Notice here, jump down to verse 3. And Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband Abram to be his wife. And he went in unto Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. You see, this is, this is what happens. When we try to get in the Lord's way while he's working and we try to help him out and how we think things should be going, that's when things always go wrong. And you think about the problems. If, if Abram and, and Sarah only knew the problems that this would cause, they may not have done it. But because they were so impatient, and because they both didn't use the eyes of faith, they decided to do things on their own. As Christians and as people in general, that's what we do. When we don't use the eye of faith and when we don't see beyond what we can see, we try to make our own change. And that's exactly what Abram and Sarah did. They tried to make their own change and forgot all about God's plan. I read something the other day. I forgot where it was, if it was, if it was a book or a quote. Um, but it, it described God as the painter of a masterpiece. If you've ever been into an art museum or an art show and you've seen a masterpiece and you've seen the, the work that it took to get to that final presentation, that final great you know picture, it took so much work. And the quote said this. When the Lord is doing his work and when he is painting the picture, our job is to step back and wait until he is ready to present it. But 
if you keep on looking behind his back and if you grab a paintbrush and if you start to paint, the longer that you do that, the longer it takes for that picture to become perfect. Because guess who has to go back and fix what you messed up? You see, if we just allow the Lord to continue to do his work and all we have been commanded to do was, as the song says, to simply step back and to trust and obey. But as humans, that's that's so hard for us sometimes because when we don't see change, we want to make it. We want to do our own thing to try to make something happen. But sometimes just step back and trust and obey. But again, here, just like just like we do, Abram and Sarah were impatient. And so they, they didn't wait. But I want you to notice, and this phrase here really, really helps when you're waiting. Because remember the, the remember where we are. When God promises something at first, we believe him. But then time passes, then we question and we do things on our own. Then here's the third phase. The third phase is now you go back to trusting in him because you found out that your way doesn't work. And I want you to notice Abram and Sarah find themselves in the third phase in chapter 18 of Genesis. Now, again, we know that Abram, here he entertains uh, those those angels that came to him, that he fed them, uh, that he attended to them. And I want you to notice the, the simple phrase um, in, in verse 11. Now, I want you to notice Sarah made all this food for these angels, and I want you to notice what happens here. Verse 11 of chapter 18. Now, Abraham and Sarah were very old and well-stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore, Sarah laughed when it within herself, saying, I am waxed too old. Shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said unto Abram, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child when I am old? Watch this. Now this is the, the key phrase. When you're waiting, when I'm waiting, when Sarah and Abram are waiting, no matter how much time has passed, no matter what you can see or what you can't see, this is the phrase that will help you get through it. Look at verse 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? And at the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Verse 14, you've, we've read the account of Abram and Sarah so many times, but sometimes we gloss over that. But we have to ask ourselves that question. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Think about Abram and Sarah's situation. God promised them a son in an impossible physical situation. Abram was past age. Sarah was past age. There's no way physically we could think that that could happen. But is anything too hard for God when he says it's going to happen, even if it seems impossible to us? No. And you think about how great that is. And just 
try to think about your life. Think about where you are and where you want to go. You know, sometimes in your life you, you wait on things. And you wait and you wait and you wait and you wait and it seems like nothing's happening. Do you think your situation and do you think your problem and do you think your circumstance is is above God? That your problem and your circumstance that is above his power to solve. And if you say yes at any point and if you hesitate, that's when you know that you're trying to do things on your own. Because when we think that our problems are too big for the Lord to handle, we leave him out of it. And then we do our own thing. And so that's exactly what happened to Abram and Sarah. Sarah essentially thought that the problem of her age was too high for God. So therefore, since that cannot happen and since God cannot perform, I'll do my own thing and I'll tell my husband to go unto Hagar and to have a son, which was the wrong thing to do. And that's the great thing about about waiting and spiritual timing and trusting and waiting on the Lord is when you wait on him, he will bring things to pass. And this here are some of the things that that cause us not to wait. What causes us not to wait is number one time. You know, we get so caught up and we want things right now. And when we can't see it, then we feel like, well, there's got to be something I can do. So let me do this. Let me go do this. And you'll do anything to do that. And sometimes that's not the right thing to do. So time is one thing. Another thing that causes us not to wait, this is a big one, is comparison. That This is what happens. Man, look, look at his life. Man, look at what's going on in his life. Look at what's going on in her life. And then once you think about that and you look at your life and you compare your life to someone else's and you, you start to question God, well, why do you do this for them? But I can't do, you can't do this for me. So therefore, you try to do things on your own. That's what happens when we compare. So never compare your life and what you're going through to somebody else's because that always gets us in trouble. And so time and comparison, they always are downfalls while you're here in, in, the, in the waiting room, if you will. And while you're waiting for the Lord to provide what you need, you look around at the other people walking out of the waiting room. Well, why can't I be like them? Why can't I have this? Why can't I be where they are? That's where we start to downfall and we start to question God. And once you start finding yourself asking those questions, that's when you know you're in the danger zone and you begin to stop trusting the Lord and you keep on trusting yourself. But I want you to notice this. In that same book that I talked about earlier about those who wait, there's a phrase here and it is it is a wonderful phrase. And I think it could really help uh, you guys who are listening. But I want you to notice this. Our idea of God's blessings include material blessings, good health, happiness, and a life free from problems. Let's stop right there. Sometimes that's what we think blessings are. We think sometimes blessings are just 
well, I'm, I'm in good health. Wow, I'm happy. Wow, I'm getting monetarily blessed all the time. And we think we're so blessed. And look, my life is great. I don't have any problems. Nothing's going on. That's great. But notice, that's, that's part of God's blessings at times. But the other part is something else. Notice, we're going to keep going. It says this. God's ideas of blessings may not always fit this notion. Watch this. His will for you and for me may include suffering. It may include illness. It may include financial strain. It may include heartbreak. But God's blessings for the Christian is anything, is anything that draws us closer to him. That, when I read that, that kind of changed my perspective on a lot of things. Because sometimes when we think about pain, and sometimes when we think about any type of suffering, no matter what it is, we see it as a negative. But that's not always a negative. That can be a blessing. And just think about this. No matter what you're going through, that is helping you getting that much closer to him. That's the goal of everything, the goal of pain, the goal of suffering. No matter what happens, that is to get us closer to him. I I read something the other day from uh, a, a personal trainer. His name is Tim Grover, and he's a trainer. He's trained so many world-class athletes. Um, but the thing about Tim is Tim trains athletes that are already at their peak, and he tries to bring them to another level. So it's not like he's training someone who's trying to be a champion. He trains two, three-time champions and makes them better, makes them become four, five, six, seven champions. And so he's most uh, known for training Michael Jordan. And I was listening to his book yesterday uh, called Relentless, and in his book, he has a chapter in there, and it's called Pressure is a Privilege. And he talked about how when you're pressured, that only makes you better. But when you have no pressure, when your life is great, when you're always carefree, when you're doing nothing with your life, when you're doing nothing to become a better person, you're not helping yourself at all. You may seem like you're happy. You may seem like things are great, but you know inside that it's not. And he said, you know, athletes like like Michael, athletes like Tom Brady and other great, you know, champions, you know, he says, you know, they don't look at the things that they do right. They look at the things that they do wrong so they can become better. And they don't take pressure with them. That's why they can perform at any level because pressure is nothing to them. And so when we think about blessings, that's in a sense the way that we should be. You know, when we go through suffering, not saying that that won't hurt, not saying that that won't cause any pain, but we need to know that those can be blessings for the Christian. And that suffering of any type, that can bring us closer to God. But here's what happens. When suffering, like what, like all the examples, like what she just wrote, suffering, illness, financial strain, heartbreak, etc. When that happens, that's the point where most people quit because they believe, 
well, why am I going through all this suffering if God's supposed to care? So therefore, I'm going to do my own thing because I wouldn't be going through this if God cared. We can't do that because we have to keep going because that's what the Lord wants us to do. And I want you to know that sometimes we pray, thy will be done, but do we really want his will to be done in our life? Maybe it's in his will for you to go through exactly that. Like we talked about with Joseph, what if Joseph would have not been in jail? What if Joseph would have not been in Egypt? Maybe all those people years down the road may have died. Joseph had to go through what he went through to fulfill God's purpose. Think about Christ. What if he was here earlier? What if this happened? What if this happened? There's so many what ifs we can do, but we think about these great men and women in the scripture. They had to go through what they went through for God's purpose. And no matter if it's great, no matter if it's not great, and no matter how long it takes to get out of that great or not great, we have to keep it in perspective and to know the Lord is using me for something. He's using this for something. So I have to let him use me. I have to let him do it. And once you get into that type of mindset, that's when you can get through it. Sometimes we think of men like Joseph. Sometimes we think of men like Abram, Job, uh, you know, Noah, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We look at their situations, and you notice the things that they went through, they were physically impossible to get through. You think about, uh, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego getting thrown into the fiery furnace. There's no way any, anybody's supposed to survive that. There's no way you're supposed to survive that. But they had that, that type of faith that no matter what came their way, they knew that the Lord was going to take care of them. That's, how, that's why their faith seemed so superhuman was because no matter what, they truly believed that the Lord can help them. And I don't know about you, but I, I want my faith to get to the point to where no matter what's going on, no matter what's thrown my way, no matter what variable happens inside my life, that I can know and have the right perspective that God is using whatever is happening in my life right now for his purpose, not for mine. When I focus too much on my purpose, then I quit because I don't like what I'm going through. But if I focus on his purpose and I focus on he's having me go through this, number one, to get closer to him, and then number two, so he can fulfill a greater purpose than what I can see, if I keep that in perspective, no matter what I'm going through, I can get through that because my mind is not so focused on me and I'm not using my physical eyes. I'm using the eyes of faith. And that's, I think that's where the Lord wants all of our faith to be. That's why we have these great examples in the Old Testament of these men with great faith. Because look at what it can do. It can do great things for, for you, and it can do great things for the Lord. And I not only want my faith to be that way, I want your faith to be that way. But in order for our faith to get there, we have to totally trust the Lord and really just let his will be done, no matter what happens to us. And as long as we keep that in perspective, 
I dare say that we're we're unstoppable as a Christian and as people. Nothing can hurt us. I I think it's just amazing the things that faith can do. And I think it's amazing what true trust and faith and waiting on God's timing can do. I mean, it's just, it can do so much. But sometimes we we don't think that our faith can, can be like Joseph's or our faith can be like Abram's. Yes, it can. And, you know, don't sell your faith short. And I'm not going to sell my faith short. You know, I'm going to make sure that, you know, no matter what, that I'm going to continue to keep my faith. I hope that no matter what, you continue to use yours. And I want you to notice something here. Let's go to, um, if I can find it here, let's go to the, the book of Isaiah. And if I can find the verse, I believe it's Isaiah chapter... I believe uh, 51. Yeah, Isaiah chapter 51. Yeah, there's so many good verses in this one. Um, Let me see if I can find it here real quick. Okay, it's it's actually chapter chapter 40. Here we go. Turn to Isaiah chapter 40. And if you look at verse 31... This is a wonderful, wonderful verse on just waiting and just waiting on the Lord's timing on things. And it says, but they that wait upon the Lord, watch this, they shall renew their strength. So implying that the strength was gone because we tried to do things on our own. So when you wait on him, you renew your strength. Then we'll go to another level. Then we'll mount up like eagles. We shall run and not be weary, and we shall walk and not faint. So no matter what, just keep waiting on him, waiting on the Lord, wait on his purpose. Then you'll see the Lord start working in your life. Now, I want to look at one thing before we close. Last thing in that book, she gives a list of two types of mindsets. One mindset called mired in the mud. And then one mindset, soaring with him. So the first one I'm going to read is always going to be the mud and the mud ones. Then the second one I'm going to read is always going to be the soaring with him ones. So if you're making a list, if you're writing this down, uh, this is how we're going to do that. All right. So if you're mired in the mud, this is going to be your mindset. My will be done. But if you soar, thy will be done. Then you'll have, if you're mired in the mud, you're always intent on self-glory. But if you're soaring with him, you always have true humility. If you're mired in the mud, you'll always be concerned about other people's opinions of self, and you crave admiration and popularity. But on the other hand, if you soar, you'll be free from the necessity of approval or praise from others. First Thessalonians 2.4 If you're mired, you'll be rigid and you'll be self-opinionated. But when you soar with him, you'll be flexible. Psalm 75, 5. If you're mired, you can't stand criticism. But if you soar, you handle it objectively and you use the benefits. Proverbs 23, 9. 
If you're mired, you desire power over others, and you use them for your own end. But if you soar, you devote it to the common good, Matthew 23, 11, 11 through 12. If you're mired, you want ease, and you're self-indulgent. But if you soar with him, you, your ease is given up uh, when necessary, and you know that many comforts precious to self may have to go, Luke 9, 23. If you're in the mud, you hold self-preservation of supreme importance. But if you soar, you're aware that you may lose your life to find it, Matthew 10, 39. If you're mired in the mud, you try to be self-sufficient. Basically, you have a practical atheism by you believe that you don't need God's help. But if you soar, you're aware of his need in your life, Jeremiah 10, 23. If you're in the mud, you feel that life owes you certain things. But when you soar, you realize that life owes you absolutely nothing. And that goodness, watch this, that's important. Goodness still doesn't earn you anything. Ecclesiastes twelve thirteen. If you're in the mud, you're always oversensitive. Your feelings are always hurt and you nourish resentment. But if you soar, you're always ready to forgive others. Luke six thirty seven. If you're in the mud, you spring back slow and you you're, have pain from disappointments. But if you soar, you have the capacity to rise above disappointments and use them creatively, Philippians 4.11. If you're in the mud, you trust in material possessions for your security. But if you soar, you know that security is in relationship with only God and not things, Matthew 6, uh, 19 through 21, and Luke 12, 33 through 34. If you're in the mud, you indulge in self-pity when things go wrong. But when you soar, you have objective resiliency when things go wrong. Romans 8.28. In the mud, you need praise and publicity for your good deeds. But when you soar, you work well with others and you can always take second place. Matthew 6.1. When you're in the mud, you're tolerant of and you may be blind to your own sins. But when you're blinded by your own sins, then you magnify the sins of other people. But if you soar, you understand the potential evil in yourself, and you always lay that before God. Matthew 7, 3 through 5. If you're in the mud, you're self-complacent. You crave the peace of mind that relieves you of unwelcome responsibilities. But if you soar, you know that warfare between good and evil will not allow undisturbed peace. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 and Acts 8, 20, 8, 22. Watch this. This is big. If you're in the mud, you love those that love you. But when you soar, you can love the unlovely and you have a feeling with oneness in God and towards all humanity. Matthew 5, 46 and Psalm 51, 10. I thought that was just a great list. And that list helped me with so much in, in self-examining myself and my faith. And I hope it'll help yours because I don't know about you. I don't want my faith to always be stuck in the mud. I don't want circumstances. I don't want things to help my faith be stuck in the mud. That's why when, no matter what happens, I want my faith and I hope you will want your faith to continue to soar. 
And so the scripture becomes real when it's time to wait and when it's time to wait on his timing. It's easy to say that when things are going your way. It's easy to say that when things are easy. But what are you going to do like when you're Joseph? What are you going to do when you're Job? What are you going to do when you're when like Christ, when everything's gone, money's gone, friends are gone, you're by yourself. What are you going to do then? That's when the scripture becomes real. So that's our podcast for today. I thoroughly enjoyed doing that study. That just always helps. Again, definitely, if you haven't already, read that book, Those Who Wait, Learning How to Wait on the Lord in an Impatient World uh, by Rosemary McKnight. Such a great book. Helps so much in, in your perspective. Again, um, it's, it's just great to add to your faith. And so, again, we're just trying to add, we're trying to add, and we're trying to add and make our faith uh, become something great, not for us, but for him. So that's that. this episode of When the Scriptures Become Real, um, and we'll see you next time. The next episode of When the Scripture Become Real, I'll probably say what that is on the next one since I haven't uh, laid it out yet, um, but look forward to episode four uh, very soon. Thank you all for listening.